We are in uh, uh, chapters 17 and 18 of 2 Chronicles, and we're getting into the uh, time period when we're uh, uh, opposite of Ahab, king of Israel, and Ahab even shows up in our text today. And what do you know about the story of Ahab, which takes up a lot of first kings? Jezebel is his wife. she a nice lady? No. I'm always surprised when people want to name their daughters Jezebel. Which in English is what? Isabel. Which, by the way, Jezebel really means um, Isha Baal. It's wife of Baal. But uh, what else do you know about Ahab? Okay, Naboth's vineyard, which I think happened in the last year of his reign, actually. Pretty late in his reign. Anything else? The, 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 the issue of Elijah that you bring up begs, in my mind, a question about our text. Where is Elijah in this account? And uh, so um, we're going to talk about that as we get into chapter 18, but let's just begin here with chapter 17. This is Jehoshaphat. Uh, I'm just going to comment because it got brought up at, of all things, uh, during Pastor Ailhoffen's installation service. The expression jumping Jehoshaphat because uh, a passage from this section got used by, I think it was uh, Dr. Olson um, who mentioned it. Uh, and um, the expression jumping Jehoshaphat comes from an 1865 American novel called uh, The Headless Horseman, um, which is not, I believe, not about Ichabod Crane necessarily. But um, that novel is filled with expressions like this where there is uh, the, the um, they're, they're called exotic imprecations. They were very popular in the 1860s and 1870s. People talked this way for a while. They would, they would use words like ruminations and peregrinations and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, they would say, oh, dash me optics. <laughs> you know, when they're talking about their eyes and things like that. And, 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 and these exotic imprecations are where they would take a substitute for Jesus as, uh, as, a, um, as an interjection, like instead of wow, and they would say something else beginning with a J, and they would add it to a, 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 an adjective or a noun or in, uh, in this case a participle, jump in Jehoshaphat, which is a way of saying wow, you know, um, or in my wife's family, Wowie Wumpkiss. Wowie Wumpkiss? Sure, Wowie Wumpkiss. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a duplicated, but it's based upon wow instead of on the name of the Lord. So, Wowie Wumpkiss. Anyway, that's where jo Jumpin' Jehoshaphat, the, the, the man in scripture, of course, never jumps. It's from an 1865 novel, not from the actual guy. Um, but that's where it comes from, and I thought... Before somebody asks me in the last two seconds of class, I thought I'd tell you at the beginning. So there, we've done that. Okay. Jehoshaphat began his reign. These are called synchronisms. And they're common not just in scripture, but in every chronological uh, announcement 
until the Gregorian calendar was invented. So the reason why the Gregorian calendar got invented was people were sick of syncretisms. Why do I have to say who is king of the Holy Roman Empire or who is the Roman Caesar or whatever in the year that I begin my reign? Why can't we just have a calendar? And that, so that's, that's why the change happened. But we still have to do that in these times. And in Judah and Israel, they synchronize with one another. So the kings of Judah syncretize with the kings of Israel and the kings of Israel with the kings of Judah. Does that make sense? So fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. He reigns about 25 years. Not about, but 25 years. And it's, they almost overlap, Ahab and Jehoshaphat. So while Ahab is up north being naughty with his wife, Jehoshaphat is down south trying to be very, very good, but he gets bound up into the naughtiness of the north. And we're going to see how that happened. Uh, getting back to Jehoshaphat, he co-reigns with his father Asa for four years. Do you remember that Asa had a disease in his feet? That's only the last year of his reign. So Jehoshaphat is prince regent. He's more or less on the throne for three years or two years before the disease happens even. So it was wise to get him, you know, kind of up and running. Uh, and uh, so he began that at age 35. His soul reign began when dad died at age 38. And he dies at 59. Three or four of the kings of Judah die at 59. And only two of them live beyond 60. Of the, of the kings of Judah. And one of them is bad king Manasseh. Um, however, in Chronicles, we get to hear about Manasseh's repentance. But these men died fairly young. Okay, anything there about just the chronology of things and what's going on? And incidentally, we're in the 880s to 850s BC. That's where we're, that's where we're, plunking down right now. So any other world events you can think of that happened in the 880s to 850s BC, just share with me. Anybody? Not so much? Okay. Uh, one famous guy was alive at this time in the, around, uh, probably a young man, but growing up on the shore of Turkey, whose name was Homer. That interesting. So that's about the time of Homer. So Greek is an infant language, and how long has Hebrew been around? I mean, a long, long time. And Greek is just kind of getting its start here. Uh, so interesting thing about about that and Homer. Okay. By the way, what famous movie a couple years ago, entirely based on Homer's Odyssey? Sorry, George Clooney. Remember it? It's, O brother, where art thou? But it's, that's Homer's Odyssey. It even has a cyclops. It's a cool movie anyway. Anyway, all right. Good, good music. Chapter 17. Asa's son Jehoshaphat ruled in his place. By the way, I have trouble saying Jehoshaphat. You're going to catch me saying Jehoshaphat? Do you mind? I think I get that from what's his name in the cartoons. Uh, Yosemite Sam? Who always said, jump at Jehoshaphat. I think I'm just going to say that because I can't get out of it. Too much Bugs Bunny as a child. Yeah. 
No, it's more like this. I was laying on the floor watching our big, giant, black and white TV. Okay. He strengthened his position against Israel and placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah. And here we're talking about especially the cities that bordered Israel. So stuff was happening up north, but not necessarily down south. So it's up north he's going to fortify things. Um, He placed garrisons in the land of Judah. What's a garrison? Soldiers, yeah, it's an army. They usually then would have their own, uh, we would call them barracks today in a camp. Um, uh, A couple of uh, U.S. TV shows are about basically barracks and camps. I'm thinking of, uh, was it Gomer Pyle? Right? Um, What's the other one that's set in the Civil War? Or no, after that, uh, F Troop. Yeah, right, in the 1880s or whatever. And, uh, okay, you guys are all showing your hand here. He placed garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. So that gets us up north, too. Let's take a look at a couple of them. So uh, they're not mentioned here, but I'm going to, I've made an educated guess, for what it's worth. Michmash, probably Ramah, uh, Ijalon, Anatoth, maybe one more over at Zorah. And uh, I think probably, if I were him, I would have done Jericho also, which isn't on this map. But where is Jericho? Actually, no, that's the Dead Sea that's south of Jerusalem. Uh, So it's actually kind of over across from Michmash and Geba. It's there. That's Jericho. Um, But it's it's deceptive because the Dead Sea is... This map is centered further south than you're used to thinking. But on almost any map of Israel, especially in your Bible, if you see the Dead Sea, put your thumb next to the top and Jerusalem should be on the other side of your thumb, no matter what scale the map is. I don't know if that's the rule of thumb or not. Let's keep going here with our chapter. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the ways that his father David walked in the beginning. By the way, David walked in the beginning or Jehoshaphat walked in the beginning? I think it's Jehoshaphat. Yeah, well, it has to be, actually. So he did not seek the Baals. And just to review, just to make sure we're all in what what are the Baals? Idols. Idols, yeah. They were statues. They're usually depicted with an arm up in the air, throwing a thunderbolt. Um, And Baal was a god of the harvest and so forth, and the god of rain and whatnot. That's where the lightning bolt's coming from. And in a lot of Baal statues, the lightning bolt probably, the, the statue would have been wood or iron or clay. What do you think the lightning bolt was made of? Gold or copper. Something shiny and flashy, but probably gold. And therefore, what do you expect when you find a statue of Baal? It'll be missing. Somebody ripped it off, yeah. It's like if you find an abandoned house today, what will be missing? All the copper, yeah, because you can recycle it. And it's easy to get a lot of copper if you just have a tin snips. You know, snip, snip, and it's gone. Um, and you can take it away. So the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. All Judah gave tribute to Jehoshaphat. He had abundant riches and honor. His heart was bold in the ways of the Lord. What a great uh, statement about a guy. Um, about any of us, you know, what if, wouldn't, wouldn't that be good on your tombstone? Her heart was bold in the Lord, in the ways of the Lord. 
Um, furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. We talked about, about them last time. In the third year of his reign, he sent his officials. All right, if I do it loud and fast, you'll think I'm right, so let's just go at it. <laughs> the first one, though, is Ben Chayil. Whenever you see the AI in Hebrew, they're separate. It's not a diphthong, it's separate vowels. So you say Ben Chayil, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanel, and Micaiah. Now, Micaiah is an interesting name there. It's going to come back. I'm not sure it's the same guy, though. But to teach in the cities of Judah. He sends people out to teach. So this is a teaching tour. It's a good idea. And along with them, he sent these Levites. Um, so Shemaiah, Nethaniah, Zebediah, Azahel, Shemiramoth, um, Yehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tobadonijah as well as the priests, Elishama and Jehoram. So you've got this group of, of officials, Levites, and priests. I think it would be easiest if we were to say, what did the Levites probably teach? The law. The law. What would we call it today? The Torah. The Torah? Yeah, well, I'm in our culture. The Bible. Or, or catechism. catechism. Yeah, this is, this is basic instruction probably for children in the word of God or catechism. Elishama and Jehoram, the priests are there, I would guess as kind of supervisors and, hey, pastor, I got a question for you, guys. You know, what's the question that's never a quick question? It always begins with, hey, pastor, quick question. <laughs> right? It's never a quick question. Um, what about the officials, though, at the top, the ben Chayil and his cohorts? What were they going to probably be teaching? They're laymen? They're officials of the court? I think the king's law, yeah, the civil law. And just to make sure people are doing what they're supposed to be doing and so forth. I don't know, if you, did you have to be licensed to drive a chariot or, or, or whatever, you know, in those days? What do you have to have a license to do in our culture? There are a few things, aren't there? Car. car. Yeah, vehicles. Marriage. Teach. You have to have a license to teach. License to, to work? Oh, as, as a nurse. Yeah, to work as a nurse. Yeah. Or? Electricians have to be licensed. So do uh, plumbers and janitors. If you don't have, if you if you have a, a if you have a janitorial staff and none of them has a boiler license, you're in serious trouble. That's why we're having a problem at St. Paul's. Our custodian, who has a boiler license, is retiring. So what do we do? It takes time, not just money, to get a boiler license. You have to be apprenticed to a guy with a boiler license for years. So and then yeah, and uh, other other licenses. Hunting, fishing, certain pets, if you have a dog or a fish. I'm kidding about the fish. Yeah, vehicles. vehicles. Pesticide applicator? I did not know that. Okay. There are, and there are others too. There are, there are all kinds of others. Deal, many of them dealing with uh, vehicle traffic and so forth. 
Um, but And maybe, what do you got to have a license to do in their culture? It could have been. Um, you have things like royal hunters and things like that where you had to obtain something, permission or whatever. Then it might be some of the things that they're explaining. They taught in Judah. They took the book of the law of the Lord with them and traveled around through all the cities of Judah, teaching among the people. This picture is anachronistic because this picture is a picture of a synagogue. Therefore, it didn't exist yet. But look at that, those, those two giant scrolls. The first one, the red one that the guy with the, with the baseball cap has, that's probably Moses. That's probably Genesis through Deuteronomy right there. You unroll that, it's calf skin, and it just goes on and on and on and on. The other one is either, um, and I'm guessing because of its size, based on the first one, that it's probably the prophet's. Um, and that would be typical of um, of a of a of a uh, synagogue service. You'd walk in carrying the, the the big scroll of Moses and then the prophetic scroll because you got two readings. And if they sang a psalm, they did it from memory, right? So um, if we have psalms in worship, we sing them, right? Typically. So it's not part of the, of, the, of the red service usually. But Moses, prophets. What's missing here, of course, is that the prophets in, the, in, the, in, in, in Hebrew are not what you think of probably as the prophet. What's the first prophetic book? Joshua. You have, you have four prophets, on, on, or rather eight prophets. You have Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the 12 minor prophets. Those are the prophetic books. Um, everything else is taken up in, when Jesus talks about the, the, the scriptures, he says, Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And the Psalms is the first book of what's usually called the hagiographa or the writings. So that's the end of the Old Testament, which is why the Old Testament ends in Hebrew, Anybody know what the last book is in Hebrew? It's the one we're in. It's Chronicles. Chronicles is how the Old Testament ends in Hebrew. Yeah, Possibly because it was just about the last book written. Anyway, you've got the little procession going on here. Pretty cool. The fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands surrounding Judah. They did not wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought gifts and silver to Jehoshaphat as tribute. So this teaching tour became pretty well known. People were amazed by it. And I'm reminded of Luther's early years in the Reformation. Luther found out that the pastors in the area who were joining the Reformation didn't know the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, or the Apostles' Creed. The pastors, the priests, didn't know it. How did their members know that stuff if the priests didn't know it? So Luther went around and did a teaching tour. And he, he, he said, there, there are some basic things you've got to know and help me with it. What would it be? Ten Commandments, right? Lord's Prayer, pretty basic to Christianity. Apostles' Creed at least. What's baptism? What's the Lord's Supper? 
What's the forgiveness of sins? Those things, and what, what do we call that when we group those six things together? That's the small catechism. That's exactly where it came from. So, so that the head of each family, Luther puts it right in the hands of the dad. Let's, let's, let's learn this in, your, in our kitchens. And then we'll come around and we'll, we'll quiz the kids. But the fathers teach and then we'll come around and we'll review. Um, and that kind of teaching happened in my household when I had to memorize, you know, and so forth. Uh, my, my, uh, my public school confirmands this year, the seventh graders act like I'm hitting them over the head with a shovel when I assign memory work. They've never had to learn it before. Um, not like this. Not where I, they're, they're like, the commandments and the meanings? Yes, the commandments and the meanings. <laughs> but but our, our catechism classes on Wednesdays for the public school kids are not an hour. They're an hour and 15 minutes. And I spend the last 15 minutes on nothing but helping them memorize what's due for next week. So any memory tricks, anything at all, teaching them when, when, when there's a list, you know, the Apostle Paul and Martin Luther both loved lists, right? Curse, swear, practice superstition, liar, deceived by it. Count on your fingers. You know, usually those, those lists are one-hand lists or sometimes two-handed lists, but that's where you get, and, 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 you, and you'll learn it by the cadence, you know, Scripture is wonderful at giving things to us in a cadence so we can remember things pretty easily um, and learning. Or if you have uh, a verse like, a pretty common verse early in the school year, 2 Timothy 3.16, right? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Tractor. Tractor. Take the vowels out of... Teak. Take the vowels out of tractor. Just listen. T-R-C-T-R. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You know, that help a kid remember it? At least we'll help the kid remember it for next week. And then eventually they'll forget the tractor part. Remember, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But any, any help for the child. Um, when I teach the Ten Commandments, I teach it with a picture. When I teach the Days of Creation, I teach it with a picture. You know, when I teach the Lord's Prayer now, I teach it with a picture. Um, I did that because the prison ministry came and said, you have to give us a picture for the Lord's Prayer. So it's a capital I. Three petitions about God, one petition about daily bread, and three about our relationship with sin. That's the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, I'm delighted this year with the number of dads who are there bringing their kids and and also reviewing out in the hallway before they set foot in here. Because this is the same bench I teach from in catechism class. Uh, and uh, I'm going to go on if, if, I, if I can. Um, so the Arabs brought flocks to him, 7,700 rams, 7,700 male goats. Uh, uh, Jehoshaphat was continually becoming greater and greater. He built fortresses. And towns for storehouses in Judah. The left one is really one of those fortresses. The right one, I'm sorry, is not. My grandpa's style of silos. 
He had large amounts of supplies in the cities of Judah, and soldiers who were powerful warriors were stationed in Jerusalem. Their numbers, based on their fathers' houses, were as follows. So th- these are not the soldiers in the cities. These are the, we would call it the regular army, not the reserves. So, and they're, they're from two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. I've got them color-coded for your amusement or information. So belonging to Judah, these were the commanders of the units of a thousand. So Adna, the commander, and with him 300,000 powerful warriors. Each block is 100,000 or close to it. Um, then next to him, um, uh, Jehohanan, the captain, and with him 280,000, almost the same size. Uh, one group is under strength a little bit. Next to him, Amasiah, son of Zikri, who volunteered to serve the Lord, and with him 200,000 powerful warriors. I kind of wonder if the volunteer there is important. He wasn't conscripted. He showed up himself as a volunteer with his own troops. Some of the guys who were the most important military commanders in the Confederacy in the Civil War um, were volunteers like that. Was it um, Bedford Forest? I think it was. Nathan, not to praise him because of what happened later, but he entered the, the army of the Confederacy as a buck private when his state left. I think it was, was he from Mississippi? I think that's right. Um, when, uh, when his state entered the Confederacy, he entered the army as a private. And then, he, and he was extremely rich, cotton, slaves, um, probably molasses, I'm guessing, and a millionaire. And, and, and he, he enlisted as a private. And he thought, this is, I'm not doing this. So he, he um, pays off the, the, the captain, leaves, gathers his own group, and re-enters, and he has so many troops, he's already a colonel, and they promote him to general because of that's how many guys he brought with him, funding, basically. He's the, he's the, in the, in the I think, in the history of American warfare, he's, he has the, the highest rise from private to whatever a three-star general would be in the, in the Confederacy, I, I, major general or whatever, lieutenant general. Thank you. Um, and then from Benjamin now, we, we, we flip to a different style. So Eliada, the powerful warrior, and with him 200,000 men armed with bow and shield, so special long-range uh, troops. And then next to him, Jehoshaphat, and with him 180,000 men armed for war. I don't know if you did any counting, but that's more than a million. That's the regular army in Judah at this time. These were the men who served the king in addition to those forces that the king had placed in the fortified cities throughout Judah. That's chapter 17. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.